I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Our guest is Guy Williams, CEO at Gulf Coast Bank and co-founder of the Pontchartrain Beach Foundation, a nonprofit hoping to restore and reopen the storied beach at the lake end of Elysian Fields. Last month, the Lakefront Management Authority, which oversees the property, unanimously voted to negotiate a lease with the foundation. Guy Williams, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. I'm really glad to talk about this. So what does Pontchartrain Beach mean to you? Why are you spending so much time and energy on this? Well, I remember as a little kid going to the beach. It was always fun. We fell for that great jingle at the beach, at the beach, and we'd always try and talk our parents into going. And it was just a great experience. And then as a a high school student, Valley High was a wonderful place to go. It was an interesting, uh, you know, Polynesian restaurant. Not that we ever ate at the restaurant, but (laughs) it was one of those uh, bars that didn't check IDs. So great date night place. So a lot of fond memories of uh, Pontchartrain Beach and Valley High. That's awesome. And so you've accomplished a lot and you have a lot of responsibilities, but it was important enough to you to get involved with this. Who are your partners? Well, we started uh, the Asby Foundation is our principal partner and we're building out now. We have uh, the Kupperman companies are are joining us. Uh, Linda Delaney is a new board member who is with Pontchartrain Beach, uh, Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. And of course, uh, Michael Liebert is with me. What we're doing is we're gradually expanding out and gaining uh, traction and also membership of people who remember the beach and want to see it reopened. Let me just ask for a quick history. There was the Pontchartrain Basin Foundation slash Pontchartrain Conservancy. Efforts were made over the last number of years. Why did those fail to get the beach open, and why do you think it's going to be different now? Well, you had two different groups. Uh, for a while, Lake Pontchartrain Basin had the uh, lease, and if you remember, a lot of the work of the foundation was based upon the concept of back to the beach. Right. The uh, foundation decided that they wanted to focus their efforts on scientific research, which certainly makes sense, and on coastal erosion. So the beach was considered a secondary priority, and their focus shifted to science. And, you know, no one's going to deny that we need the science or the coastal erosion investigation. So that was what happened with that group. For a short while, UNO Foundation had it. And then tragically, some people drowned out there and UNO said, you know what, we're a school, not a uh, beach developer. So UNO let the the, uh, lease go as well. And then it languished for a number of years with the... uh, non-flood asset. And what, what do you mean language with the non-flood asset? Well, once the lease was relinquished, then the flood authority had the opportunity to redevelop. But once again, their priority is uh, levees and flood protection. Right. So it really wasn't essential to their mission either. So you didn't have anybody whose core focus was bringing a recreational amenity back to New Orleans. Understood. Okay. And that brings us to now. What is the vision? What do you hope to to achieve? What we really want to happen, if you think about it right now, we have a wonderful lake. Uh, Because of the work of the uh, Pontchartrain Conservancy, you can swim in the lake. You know, there are weekly water quality tests. There are uh, 
published results. So you know that the water is almost always safe to swim, but where would you go swimming? You know, if you think about it, you can go to the lakefront, but you walk down the uh, steps into the water, that's, that's pretty slippery and dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a tiny, tiny beach right at the industrial canal, which is full on weekends. If you drive down there, you'll see a lot of people picnicking on that little sliver of beach. Right. But that's it. There is no other beach to actually access the water. So what we envision is a place that people can go, families can go to enjoy picnicking, to enjoy swimming, to enjoy paddle boarding just all the recreational uses that you imagine and think about when you go to Destin or you go to the uh, Mississippi or Alabama coast. Now, I know you've got a budget in mind and a checklist of items. Talk about <laughs> the initial investment and what that could, what that could achieve, how that could transform that site. Yeah. We have a, a number of issues. The first is because of the, uh, various hurricanes, the beach is in a pretty bad shape. You have some piers that are eroded, you have some undercutting, uh, you really have uh, some structures that need to be replaced. So our budget estimates and contemplates about $20 million of improvements to solve the undercutting under the pier, to make it a usable pier, to protect it from future storms, so that people could actually go out there and so that the sand that we put on the beach doesn't get eroded in the next hurricane. Right. So that's the money that we're looking at. The, the window of opportunity is short because there is money in the Build Back Better plan. And also there is coastal restoration money in the anti-inflation bill that just passed and was just signed by the president. So what we're gonna do is ask for some of that money. And from a federal standpoint, what we're asking for is not that much money. Right. 20 million seems real to you and me, but to the federal government, that's like pennies in the uh, the couch cushion. I know that there are dangers that make it not safe to swim out there. Part of the process is clearing that away and making it safe to swim. What does that entail? Well, what, what has to happen is anytime you have a pier, if you don't protect it with either riprap or sheet piling, the wave action will cut under the pier. Okay. So right now, if you go swimming and you get an adverse current, you could literally get swept under the um, pier that sticks out into the into the lake. So okay. if you're not a good swimmer, that could be a really unpleasant surprise, and you find yourself under a structure and might not be able to get back out because you know this isn't destined. We don't have crystal clear water, so you right. may not be able to see. So what we want to do is solve that so that there's no undercutting, no places where people could get under a structure. Gotcha. And then we want to build a protective barrier so that the uh, wave action will not destroy the beach going forward. Gotcha. The other thing we're looking at is creating a created wetland. It very similar to what was done in uh, Jefferson Parish at Bucktown, where it will filter the uh, runoff from the uh, parking lot at the technology center and the runoff from the beach. So it'll go through a created wetland, go out into the lake uh, clean, and also be a place for education. So students could go out there, you could understand how uh, marshes and wetlands filter the uh, runoff. Now you mentioned 20 million to get the beach in shape. 
Does that also pay for the amenities or is that a separate line item? What that would do is give us a pier that would give us some structure to protect the beach. It would give us some sand so people could use the beach. So you could immediately use the beach in a passive way. That doesn't build any buildings. And we're not talking about bringing back the amusement park and the rides. Right, right. This is about a, a beach that you walk on, that you sit on, that you step off of and go swimming. You use your paddleboard or kayak. And we would, you know, have have a vendor there that would lease those to people that want them. Got you. What's the status? Talk about the vote that happened and then and let me know what the obstacles and potential hiccups could be as you try and move forward. Well, the vote was very positive. We're very happy. We appreciate the, uh, the vote that uh, enabled us to start lease negotiations. The challenge is it's expensive. I mean, what we're doing is working to create a public amenity. In a perfect world, a public entity would pay for security and for insurance. Uh, you know, the, the lease contemplates that a private entity would pay for those things to provide a public benefit. Right. So it, it does put a burden on people that are trying to do something good for the area. And I, as I say, ideally, that would be something paid for by the public. You know, in Florida, you don't have uh, private entities paying for beach maintenance, beach insurance, beach security. You know, that's something the state of Florida picks up. Well, is there a chance that could be something that the state of Louisiana picks up in the future? I would I would hope so. I mean, you know, it, it just it makes perfect sense. If the state doesn't pick it up, then we'll end up being forced to charge an admission, which is not something we want to do. But there, there's really nowhere else to pit, pull the money unless uh, Bill Gates suddenly becomes interested in the beach. Right. So would that be... Uh... Are there conversations and some gentle lobbying and nudging to see if we can get the state behind the idea? Is that, is that what's happening? Oh, yeah. We're working both state, federal, and local to see how we can make this work. Because once again, this is a public amenity. The people who are founding the beach by the nature of the articles of the uh, Pontchartrain Beach Foundation can't make a penny. None of us can get any money from this. It's the opposite. We are spending money to make this happen. You know, Michael and I are both donating, the bank's donating money, the ASBE Foundation is donating money, people are donating their time and effort. And the result is, it's all it's all money going out with no contemplation that money will ever come back to us. In fact, by bylaw, none of it can. I know that the Lakefront Management Authority is in the middle of a process. I imagine that process is going to take weeks and months. And I know that you're eyeing that uh, federal money that Mitchell Andrew happens to be in charge of dispensing. Uh, are you worried about the, the windows of opportunity being misaligned? Oh yeah, I mean, there's always a chance that it will, that we won't make it in time. And I, we're pushing hard, but they're also negotiating in good faith. So I'm optimistic that they will, that we'll get across that finish line. Real quick, you'd mentioned get, getting the beach usable in a passive way. In a previous conversation I had with you, you talked about some other basic features that would that you'd be able to afford with, with, with the limited dollars. Can you talk about those real quick? Yeah, I mean, ideally what we'd like to have is somewhere to get something to eat and drink. Probably we'll have to start with food trucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, later on, you'd like to have something. I mean, which one of us going to the beach doesn't suddenly feel that we need a hamburger and fries? <laughs> I mean, just... Somehow your body seems to be stimulated by being on the beach. You've got to have a hamburger and fries and either a soft drink or beer. I mean, just the two go together. Uh, we would like to have beach volleyball because 
what fun to actually have beach volleyball on the beach looking at the water. I think that would be a wonderful amenity and that would be important to have that as well. And then of course the rentals of uh, stand up paddle boards, kayaks, so that folks don't have to lug a kayak or a paddle board across the levee. You know, it would be there at a reasonable price and you, you know, go out and enjoy the water. And all of those, all of those things you described can be done either through food trucks or, you know, temporary structures before any kind of infrastructure is built out there, it sounds like. Exactly. Same thing. And I mean, we do temporary, uh, not quite portalettes. Hopefully we could upgrade to the air conditioned ones, but some sort of bathrooms as well. Right. But not a, not a permanent structure yet. One of the challenges is because we're in a floodplain, any sort of structure has to be built in a very unique way, either very elevated or in such a way that it can flood and it doesn't matter. A few concerns were raised by neighbors and, and other citizens. Let's talk about those real quick. One was some concern about it being a public beach that had a, an admission fee. You've kind of addressed that already. It sounds like that's not your desire either. Well, it isn't. And if you think about it, you know, we have lots of public beaches that have admission fees in Florida, in Louisiana, and it's just the nature of if the public entity that wants a public benefit is not willing to pay for it, you're sort of stuck with that. So right. as much as we want it to be free, you know, when you go to Fountain Blue State Park right on the North Shore, you have to pay. Right. It's still a public a public park run by the state of Louisiana, but there is an admission. So the other the other concern was was crowds and trash and just a change in the way that neighborhood is, is currently. What kinds of ideas are there to manage the way people come and go from the beach in a way as to be respectful of the residences? Everyone is sensitive to the idea of not having trash in their neighborhood. But if you think this through, the nearest house is over 850 feet away from the furthest parking. So you have to imagine somebody goes to the beach, they have their Coke, they have their uh, you know, piece of paper or plastic, and they choose to hold it in their hand and walk 800 feet and then drop it. That doesn't make logical sense. If you're the kind of person that's going to drop trash, you're going to drop it right where you are. You're not going to carry it to a residential neighborhood and choose to drop it. You're going to drop it on the beach and it's going to be our problem to pick it up. Right. which the beach will have, you know, daily cleanup. So it starts out clean. So of, of course it'll be cleaned up. And that, that happens on the lakefront right now. You know, it's amazing. You've got trash cans every 50 feet and people still leave, you know, bottles and drinks on the lakefront and it has to be picked up. Right. Are there other concerns that you've heard in this process now that, that you thought were worthwhile and that you have, and then discussions have been made about how to deal with this? Well, it, Everyone is concerned right now in New Orleans because of the uh, crime situation. Right. But a beach is not a, a conducive environment for criminals for a bunch of reasons. You're there on the beach in a bathing suit or shorts. There's, there's nothing to steal. I mean, and if you do, you've got to, you're still a long way away. There's a police station right across from us. So we don't see it as an attractive nuisance or a, uh, something that would be attractive to criminals. You know, we wish that we had uh, a larger police force in New Orleans and hopefully we'll get there. But I think the issue of crime is something any any resident in any neighborhood would bring up and say they're concerned about it. And I'm concerned about it too. I'm concerned about it downtown where we work. But it doesn't mean you stop doing everything because you have a concern. I've read that the way the uh, authority is 
proceeding with the lease process is going to give citizens a chance to weigh in. Uh, yes. Can you, can you explain how that works? Yeah, there'll, there'll be multiple opportunities in both public hearings as well as online to uh, to have people weigh in and, you know, say, say what they'd like. We've already had uh, three different public meetings. Two more questions. One, this is the first step trying to get it finished. If things go well, let's say the funding, the lease all works out, the funding works out. When do you think uh, someone could pull up in their, uh, you know, park in the parking lot and walk out there with a the towel and enjoy the beach? Probably the quickest would be probably two to three years. And I wish it were faster, but anything involving the federal government takes a while. We also have Corps of Engineer permits and, you know, lots of other things hurdles that will take a little while let's say a few years down the road this has been a big hit the food trucks uh prove that there's a viable demand for food what would you, what would you say the next step is to developing this site is it put all the rides back over there no no <laughs> the the rides won't work for a number of reasons the rides were where the technology park is right now okay fair. the old Pontchartrain beach had a much bigger footprint than is available so no, the rides don't come back. You don't have room for an amusement park, but the vision would be a really nice beach, uh, a place for motorized boats on one end, a nice habitat that where that people in school children could go study. We'd push more water out, more sand out, so we'd have a bigger and wider beach, so that students from UNO can walk across the levee. People can take the bus and get to it. Our real real dream is. There is a technology, and you can see it in Florida and in the Bahamas, where you can create a beach with a almost a swimming pool effect, but it's yeah. acres of water, and then you have crystal clear water. Ah, yeah. So my golden dream is if that could happen, where you have a beautiful beach and clear water, I think that would be really exciting, particularly, if, you know, it's right here. You don't have to drive to Destin. Now, that's... That's expensive, but if it catches on and people like it, you know, that would really be a lot of fun. But if not, we'd like to see some food and beverage, you know, some permanent uh, locations, like to see a vibrant uh, beach volleyball court, you know, potentially a dog park at one end away from the, uh, the swimmers, of course. This is a very optimistic project. It's a labor of love. And right now in New Orleans, it's kind of a pessimistic time. People are stressed out. It's the, it's the storm month. We've got, you know, the NOPD uh, manpower shortages. People are stressed out in New Orleans. I'm curious, as you think about our, our city, what makes you feel worried about just everything? And what makes you feel optimistic? Okay, so let's let's think back. We've done this before. And by this, I mean gone through a down cycle. Before Chief Pennington, we had a horrible crime problem. I remember an editorial cartoon in what was then the Times-Picayune, and it was an uptown house. A young man opens the door. His wife is standing by the door, and she has a pistol in her hand, and he says, cover me. I'm going to go out and get the newspaper. Right. That was then. And then Chief Pennington came along. We built the police force, solved the problem. New Orleans became one of the safest uh, big cities. We're, all, we're not there, but we can be there again. We know how to fix the problem. We know we're in a problem, but we're not going to stay here. If you look at the NOLA coalition, 350 groups, including us, being Gulf Coast Bank and the Beach Foundation are part of that group committed to making the city safer. 
The other thing, if you think back, once upon a time, and it wasn't that long ago, we had a World's Fair in New Orleans. You know, people said it wasn't possible, but the World's Fair resulted in the convention center because that was one of the big rides. It resulted in the warehouse district being converted from warehouses to residential, to condos, to restaurants, to coffee shops. It resulted in the whole world coming to New Orleans. And yeah, it didn't make money, but boy, did it make the city better. So right. we can do big things in New Orleans. And that's the that's an example. And that's a couple decades, that's what, three decades ago. This is not that big a project. But if you think about UNO, you're recruiting students, you're trying to talk them into it. You say, oh, by the way, look at what we have. You know, it's your lunch hour or, you know, when you want to go running, look at this beach. When the technology park is recruiting a young tech company and saying, look, yeah, we're competing against Birmingham. We're competing against somewhere else in Dallas. So look at your view out the window. We have a, <laughs> we have a beach. You can go swimming. You can go kayaking. And in the winter, you can go surfing. That's a very hopeful thought. Guy Williams, CEO of Gulf Coast Bank and co-founder of the Pontchartrain Beach Foundation. Thanks for sharing this vision. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.